Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You're listening to The Wes and Walker Show. Are you telling me, after 15 years of unanswered prayers, we finally get our rim protector only for Dorian Finney-Smith and Danilo Gallinari. It's Wes. 52-year-old Danilo Gallinari <laughs> to mess it all up. Let's go. Seven games? Seven games into the year, man. Are you telling me I actually miss Cody Zeller? And Walker. Forget a Hornets starter jacket. I need a straight jacket. I'm going crazy. I'm rocking back and forth in fetal position. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. Longing for the days of Cody Zeller. Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7. Keep the text coming on the FanDuel text line. 704-570-9610. It's been jumping. We got a text coming in on the 704 number saying, Wes, you get a bulldog, just call him Chef because they're always in the damn kitchen. Trust me, we're on our third. That sounds like a pretty cool dog name. Chef, I don't know why it just hits for me. We also got Scooter in Huntersville writing in Bruno, the Mally missile, and then sent a picture in of the Malinois. Do you guys know Malinois like that? I do not. They Most likely, you would recognize them because they're like the most athletic dog ever. And with all due respect to the Greyhound, it's a lot of straight just straight line speed you're talking about with very minimal turns, even though the Greyhounds are clearly the fastest. I used to have a Whippet. That thing was crazy, too. Probably the second fastest dog. But these Malinois are like the army and police dogs that can jump and do like parkour stuff. It's crazy. Barkour, if you will, for the Malinois. Okay. I'm so stupid today. <laughs> I'm so stupid. I'm sorry. We're take here it for it. Take it away. Bruno the Mally Missile, though. I said that was a badass dog. Like, that is an excellent picture. And I feel like that thing could kill me if it wanted to with, like, just one pencil like the Army people can. All right. Well, it's about that time. Let's go to the campus. Kona. Taking a trip back down to Chapel Hill once again, talking about last night's game. And we know that R.J. Davis was tremendous for the Tar Heels last night. And just to give you a little bit more on that contest, he made a career-high seven three-pointers, scored a career-high 42 points, 14 of 22 from the floor, 7 of 11 from three, 7 of 9 from the free-throw line. I mean, he was getting it done. But he also had six rebounds, four steals, and found time, found time to get an assist. But the 42 points are the record for any game. In the Smith Center, it was UNC's 562nd regular season or postseason game in the Smith Center. The previous record was held by Tyler Hansborough, who got it against Georgia Tech in 2006. It also equals the third most points by Tar Heel in in a regular season ACC game since Shaman Williams had 42 and a double overtime win at Georgia Tech on February 8th of 1998 he outscored the rest of the Tar Heels talking about R.J. Davis last night 42 to 33 and he outscored the rest of the team 21 to 16 in the first half and 21 to 17 
in the second half. But the question is, I think R.J. Davis heard us talking about his ACC Player of the Year award being in peril. Did he lock it up last night for you, Walker, man? I don't know how you give it to Hunter Salas unless he gives a 40-point performance against Notre Dame their next time out. If he does that, then I will be reluctant to say R.J. Davis (laughs) locked it up. But even then, R.J. was still already in the lead, even if Hunter Salas was closing that gap. And you also have a great mix for R.J. Davis with these last three games before you get to the ACC tournament. You have two rivalry games, so you're already going to have a little bit more of a spotlight against NC State and against Duke in Cameron Indoor Stadium, which is going to be a great environment between two top 10 teams right now. So the fact that you have NC State and Duke, plus you have a little bit of a cupcake team with Notre Dame, the way they played this year. So you get a great mix. R.J. Davis having those three games left on the schedule, and we already talked about it, Wes. Hunter Salas just doesn't have those types of matchups. You have Notre Dame, quite literally, but I still think you need marquee matchups in order to get up there. Sure, Clemson is the one. That's what you have still left on their schedule. And if Hunter goes for something crazy, then great. It's tough to compete with 42, though. Like, that's nuts. And if they would have lost, then maybe that's what you needed if you were Hunter Salas to still stay in range. But they got the dub in large part because of R.J. Davis, and yeah, I think he locked it up. Yeah, I think he put a big, big gap. We talked about yesterday the gap closing, but I think the gap has definitely opened back up after that performance last night. It was a masterful performance. The shots that he was hitting. Fitty, what say you? Yeah, I mean, look, you know where I stood going into yesterday and after last night, it's there's no, I mean, he could not score a point the rest of the season. He's still the ACC player of the year. Uh, I mentioned his performance to me. It's the the second best individual performance I've ever seen by a Tar Heel in my lifetime, um, and it's been a lot of fun to watch. And it's going to go. It's going to go a long way to leaving a positive legacy for him when his time in Chapel Hill uh, comes to an end. So, real quickly, with this ACC Player of the Year stuff, they went heavy to the jerseys in the rafters yesterday. I don't know if you guys noticed that, just because they went to Roy Williams a lot. Him dancing for the cookies was incredible television. Larry Brown also in the mix. His jersey's hanging in the rafters. R.J. Davis, it feels like it's appropriate for his jersey to be up there, right? Because he's going to get it if he wins ACC Player of the Year, and that's going to be one of the accomplishments. Does it feel like he belongs up there with all the legends, or do you think it's a little short of the mark? Yeah, I mean, so now when you take a look at it from that scope, when I'm watching him, he's having a really good year. He's having a great year, to be frank. And then when you look at the totality of his career, he's been a productive player. But to say I put him up there with the all-time greats of North Carolina, I guess I would have to. They would have to go on a really deep run. He would have to be tremendous in the tournament. And then they would have to either get to the Final Four and win a national championship or get there and really show well. Because right now, when I think of Carolina guards, there would probably be a decent amount of names I would go through before I would get to R.J. Davis. But, Fiddy, I think this is a great question for you. What do you say to Walker's uh, question? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to look at what he's done, what he's accomplished, and say he's not going to deserve to have his jersey in the Raptors. He's played in the Final Four. He passed Michael Jordan in scoring. Played, you know, he played in the national championship game. Um, you know, He's going to lead a team to a regular season ACC title. Depending on how the rest of the season unfolds, I still think they can be a one-seed Come selection Sunday, but this is part of this 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 core. They're gonna have as complex a legacy to remember because they effectively retired Roy Williams. They missed the NCAA tournament. 
But sandwiched between that was a great run to a Final Four. And if this year, like if they get to at least these, the, the, uh, a, a, an Elite Eight, how do you not look back on uh, R.J. Davis and Armando Baycott and not think positively? Like maybe I'm wrong, but that's just that's just where I am. They flame out in the first weekend. Their legacy gets more complex, but I think right now it's going to be a positive one when it, when it does officially come to an end. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair point as well. Walker, did you have something else? No. Okay. No, that was it. Right. I, the, I guess the other, only other point I would make is it feels weird that Baycott is not going to have his jersey in the Raptors. But, and we had this combo last year, mm-hmm. and RJ is going to have it happen. It's just, it, I would not have guessed that if we were to go to the end of each of these guys' sophomore campaigns. Yeah. I would have said Armando would be that guy, but instead it's going to be RJ. I will say this. It's not officially official, but let's just say there's Armando doesn't meet the initial criteria. Carolina's willing to do some things to make sure his jersey is in the Raptors, like they did with George Lynch, uh, who, who wasn't going to have his jersey on her, but they mended some of their criteria. For his jersey to be in the Raptors, they're going to do the same for Armando. All right, ACC action tonight. Four-game slate for you. Virginia Tech and Syracuse, Pittsburgh and Clemson, Wake Forest and Notre Dame, NC State, and Florida State. And so when we take a look at this Wake Forest matchup, Wake is 8-8 eight eight all-time against Notre Dame. They've won three straight matchups over Notre Dame over the past two seasons. And as of Monday, Wake Forest is top 25 in both net rankings at 25 and Kempom. At 19, Wake Forest is in the top 35 in offensive efficiency, the 22nd there, and defensive efficiency, 34th, joining Duke and Carolina as the only ACC teams with those metrics. And then Hunter Salas, who we talked about just a little bit ago in his last five games, he's averaging 23 points, five rebounds, three assists, and shooting 67% from three-point territory. Do we see any way that Notre Dame is able to upset Wake Forest tonight. If Wake Forest had this kind of letdown after beating Duke, then it would be terrible. I I feel like this one would last maybe not as long as a Super Bowl loss for U.S., but it would be pretty painful to endure. Yeah, it would be. Um, It would be. You you can't can't do that if you're Wake Forest, so no. I'm going to give Steve Forbes, I'm going to give this Wake team the benefit of the doubt, even if it is in South Bend. Wake Forest coming in as a six and a half point favorite. So perhaps you'd like a little more cushion than just a six, seven point win. I still think Wake Forest is going to be able to get the job done. I think so too. Let's hear from Coach Steve Forbes on why he's taken issue with Joe Lenardi recently. Joe Lenardi has made a living predicting the NCAA tournament. He's made a career out of it. Good for him. I'm not mad at him. I, it's not like I don't like him. I don't even know him. I've never even had a conversation with him. The issue that I had was a comment that he made a year ago when he explicitly said that Moses Wright, Alondis Williams, and Isaiah Wong were the last three players of the year compared to Zion, Bagley, and Brogdon. And I'm like, and then he said, basically, I'd, I'd, if, if we're going to complain, we just got to get back to having the best players. I just didn't think that was right. And that was really wrong. First of all, it's disrespectful to those three kids because being a player of the year, I didn't realize that was a prerequisite to having a great league or having a, having a tur- tournament resume or getting a seed. And quite frankly, he, he neglected to say when Moses Wright got uh, player of the year, he led his team to the AC championship, tournament championship, got COVID, didn't get a play in the tournament. But the number four pick in the draft in our league was Scotty Barnes. Okay, now you go the next year, he's, he's going to say that about Londis? 
when Paolo Bancaro was the number one pick in the draft. We had three first-team NBA picks that made second-team All-ACC. Wesley, LaRavia for us, and Wendell Moore. Then we had a third-team All-ACC player, Mark Williams, who was a first-round pick. And we had another ACC player that didn't even make All-League that was a first-round pick, A.J. Griffin. We had two teams playing the Final Four, one team playing the Elite Eight, and one team play for the National Championship. That's not a down league. And that was a disrespectful thing to say. And Man, my man, Coach Forbes, had receipts right there, and I agree uh, with everything he said, which, uh, real quick, too, shout-out to Alondis Williams getting it done in the G League and getting that call-up to the great. Miami Heat. He's been lighting it up in the G League, so I've been happy for old man, man. But uh, that, that's his nickname. But it's a great uh, nickname. <laughs> but, yeah, I agree with him 100%, man, and it's like uh, the ACC is like the SEC in football. We know the dominance that the ACC has had in this tournament, even in years when it's been quote-unquote down. Still had multiple teams in the Sweet 16, in the Elite Eight, and teams making the Final Four. So I don't know why at this point the ACC ever gets questioned on the merits of their basketball. That was a disorienting amount of facts that Steve Forbes just brought to the podium, where he kept hitting me and hitting me, and just when I thought I was going to be able to get up, he makes sure I'm on the ground again. Another shot. AJ Griffin, Scotty Barnes, Mark Williams, Blake Wesley. That was amazing all of the talent that he showcased and the fact that that talent wasn't good enough to win player of the year. And so it's weird because it's almost like if we want to benefit the conference in question, then do we need to uplift somebody based off of NBA talent projection over some of these guys that are actually performing in the college game? No, it's totally different. It's totally different. When you're trying to project who can play in the NBA, a lot of times you're picking based off of potential. It doesn't mean you were extremely productive at the college level. You're picking a lot off of potential. And when you're talking about a guy like Paolo, there's a lot more uh, there's a lot more wealth to be spread around, right? Like you're talking about other high talented recruits where Wake Forest is here in the transfer portal. It doesn't take anything away from Alonis Williams. You just have more talent on those Duke teams. So I think Steve Forbes is bringing great points to the table. And then, you know, even if he doesn't know Joe Lenardi and he's saying he doesn't hate him, he did a great job at fighting him with all of those facts that he brought. And then good for you, a kind of way to slight people when you want to say something, but you don't want to be too harsh about him. You say, you're doing this, good for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, means, that means I don't know how you figured it out, but I can see it's BS. And you've managed to uh, you've managed to lie to everybody else on the fact that it is BS. No doubt about it. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Panthers. Do they have any untouchables on the trade market? Is Derek Brown untouchable? That and more on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back, folks. Back 
back like we left something the Western Walker Show on a Tuesday. Keep the text coming on the FanDuel text line 704-570-9610. We're getting into a lot of great discussion today, but the pet names have definitely taken over the text line, man. We got a knack of just coming up with those topics that people love to discuss on the text line, and we appreciate it, and we love it. We got Thomas from Gastonia. He sent a picture of his dog, which is a hound dog, which I have an affinity for. I got a, a, a beagle at home, and so I love me some hound dogs. This dog's name is Lumpy, and I it might be my favorite. <laughs> Lumpy the hound dog might be my favorite from Thomas from Gastonia. 980 says, I had two dogs, one named Jake, one named Pete, one named Helen, Jake Delome Rodney Pete. I I think that's what he was saying. But there was a little <laughs> bit of a mess up there. But we're naming him after Panthers quarterbacks. Apparently, you're questioning Rodney Pete. I know exactly what you're doing here, Fitty. And you're naming a dog Helen. That's that might be the worst dog name of all time. Helen is tough. Well, how do you know why they named it Helen? What if they come came back and said it's after my dead grandmother? Then what would you say? I and look, do whatever you want. I think there are better ways to honor your grandmother. Like, my momma's name is Deb. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to name my dog Deb in honor of Momo. Well, what if you did and somebody said, what a stupid name? It's a good answer, though, from Fiddy, honestly. Like, his <laughs> Thank, <lady>. you, <laughs> Thank you, Walker. Thank you. I also I, see on a line, too. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying because I nothing really. I was just laughing at it. You're good. You can take it wherever you want. To. <laughs> I was gonna say the the we played the Steve Forbes audio and we have contrasting uh, on the text line opinions. The 704 number said that Love Forbes going to bat for the ACC, not just Wake. And then Jay from Mount Holly, uh, I think Fitty would raise an eyebrow to this one. Say interesting. Forbes didn't mention a single Tar Heel. So. Jay from Mount Holly is in his Carolina hating bag today. So he texted in, too. He said, bro. He called me bro after my point about Carolina having a cupcake game against Notre Dame. He said, bro, the Miami game was a cupcake game without two starters and playing at home. Duke beat the same team by 30. Always wearing Carolina shades. Yeah, that's the point, Jay. That's what I'm trying to say. They got a good mix of games. One is a cupcake against Notre Dame. For sure. I'm not arguing that. Miami at home, down a couple of starters. For sure. That's an easy matchup for R.J. Davis to go against. NC State, rivalry game. Duke, rivalry game. That's my point. And then, of course, he's like, interesting. Steve Forbes didn't bring up a Tar Heel. I don't even find it that interesting. No, but he did mention the team that made the Final Four and played in the National Championship, Jay. That's right. has, Has Duke done that? Wake Forest done that? There you go. Virginia done that? Florida State. You want me to keep going, Jay? I do, ah. kind of. I was interested in that. That was a good rant. A Just name off rant. every team in the league. <laughs> we do have another dog name, though. Deacon704 writes in. Okay. We'll take that one. Deacon's we'll a good it. I like that. As a, that's a real good dog name, in my opinion. What All right. He's a demon. <laughs> All right. So jumping back into Carolina Panthers' discussion. And so Adam Rank, uh, NFL.com writer, came out with an article of stars who should be traded this offseason. And it's some big-time names on there, headlined by Justin Jefferson uh, of the Minnesota Vikings. But then when you get down to the Carolina Panthers and who they should trade, they've got one Derek Brown. And he says Brown is a solid piece. And you could reason that he should be considered the anchor 
for a young defense. But his contract is up after the coming campaign. Do you see the Panthers fresh off a 2-15 and disaster of a season, legitimately competing in 2024? The Panthers, who gave up a whole bunch to secure Bryce Young's services in last year's draft, including their first-round selection this April and second-rounder in the 2025 draft, need to restock the draft coffers with picks. And so I found this to be quite an interesting uh, proclamation by him. And what are your thoughts, Walker, on this? Is there any way, and I guess we can make the case for and against trading Derrick Brown, but would there be any scenario where you could get on board with this? Because I know what a big fan you are uh, of Derrick Brown. Well, I'm a, I'm a fan of young, talented players for the Carolina Panthers and don't want to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. So if the argument is trade them for assets, then no, I don't want to do that. If you're asking me to trade Derek Brown for a wide receiver type, then okay, but I'm still not doing this. Look, for me, when you have somebody that is amazing at stopping the run and he plays for a team that actually struggles stopping the run, then they're going to be like the 32nd team and run stop rate if he's gone. So I don't want to do that. He's also a pretty good pass rusher from the interior. And I think quarterbacks more often than not will tell you a pass rushing standpoint interior pass rush is king can't step up in the pocket that means i got to choose one side or the other and if they're containing the edge can't get out of the pocket so if you apply that initial pressure inside then i'm screwed so many bad things happen when that takes place and we've seen Derek brown throw the best interior guards the best interior linemen in the game he's throwing them around like rag dolls no, I don't want to trade Derek Brown. I don't think it makes much sense, especially with what you're going to have to pay him. You're going to have to pay him a lot. But just think about the defensive tackle position that he plays. He's not going to call for as much money as keeping Brian Burns, right? Because if you pay Derek Brown or mm-hmm. if you trade him, then the idea is that you're going to keep Brian Burns and you're going to keep other guys. Mm-hmm. Well, if the argument is it saves you a little bit of money, you would save more money by trading Brian Burns, who would also in my opinion, bring on more draft capital. At least I think that would be the case. It'd be probably minimally more, but it would still be more in my opinion. So I don't, I can't make a realistic scenario as to why I would trade Derek Brown and, you know, instead keep Brian Burns and Frankie Louvu. Like I'm, I'm keeping Derek Brown because I don't want that guy out, especially with him being young and the motor is good from that position. Nah, man, he's a Carolina Panther, if I have anything to say about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it presents an, an interesting argument because he did talk about the draft capital. So I guess the case, you made the case against, and so not saying I'm for it, but I guess the case for it would be, you know, this has been arguably his best year as a pass rusher to get some of that balance that a lot of people have been wanting to see from him because he did finish 20th in defensive tackle pass rush win rate. And so I think that's impressive to go along with the fact that, uh, you know, he was the top guy in the league in run stop win rate. And I guess the conundrum you run into where you debate if you would want to trade him or not is he had 15 quarterback hits and two quarterback sacks, but it's like, do you want 
a little bit more balance from your D tackle to get you a few more sacks, present a little bit more pressure in a pass first league. Because the thing is, yes, the run numbers are impressive for what he's able to do in the run game. And I'm only making the case uh, being devil's advocate here with this thing. But the Panthers run defense was 23rd uh, in the NFL. So it's like, yes, he does have an impact on the run game. And I know it's not one man that could do it all, but it's like, if you say to yourself, okay, if we're able to get maybe a first round and a, a second rounder next year for him or a first round and a third rounder, could we take that and be able to uh, maybe replenish some other positions and then get a guy that's decent enough that gives us at least maybe 60 to 70% of the production that you get from a Derrick Brown and we could kind of build from there. But, you know, there's also, again, like we talked about with Derrick Brown, if you did trade Derrick Brown, I mean, we talked about with Brian Burns. If you did trade Derrick Brown, you would almost be kind of chasing your tail because at some point you're going to have to try to replace uh, that caliber of player and that type of production on that defensive line. Right. Like, I, if you're trading Derrick Brown, then you're trying to replace him and you're trying to replace – because what what's the market going to call for? If Brian Burns now is only calling for a first-round pick, not like what it was with the Rams when they offered the two first and a second, which is ridiculous. Right now, we're probably seeing Brian Burns go for what at most a first rounder, right? So if Derek Brown is if Derek Brown is considered playing a position that isn't having as much positional value as the edge rusher, or the outside linebacker, then I would imagine that he would call for something less, or at least you know at at least equal, right? I can't I can't expect him to have called for more. And so if that's the case, then I'm not I'm not trading him. I just yeah, it, for me, if you're getting rid of Derek Brown, then you're allowing another young, talented player to go to a different organization, probably ball out because it's not like we got an outlier year this season. He's had two fantastic years where this one he was even better. Like he was great last season and he got even better this year. And so why would I get rid of that guy that I want to lock up? that just with dollars and cents is going to come in at a lesser total than what Brian Burns will. And also still has a huge impact on the game. Also, when we're talking about him stopping the run and the Carolina Panthers struggling as much, I don't know what metric you used. I don't know if that was just rushing yards per game or if you were using DVOA or rushing yards per game. Well, they're running the ball like hell because they got the lead in the second half. Mm -hmm. So of course those numbers, in fact, I thought it might be worse. (laughs) Carolina is the worst team in the league this year. And this is a team that did not have a lead in the fourth quarter. Not one time. So why is the other team throwing the football? They're not. And so the fact that they were actually 23rd, Wes, I I damn near view that as a positive. If you're only 23rd and you didn't have one fourth quarter lead at all this year, yeah, man, Derrick Brown has a lot to do with that. Uh, Cyber Joe says on the text line, two firsts and a third for Derrick Brown. I don't know that you would get that type of trade haul for him, but if you did, would that make you reconsider your stance? Uh, there's going to be a price for any player. So two firsts and a third, yeah, I'd be silly not to consider that and actually pull the trigger. That's Big a lot. Cat Dan says we have two tradable pieces that can put us in the first round of the draft, and that is Burns or Brown. It's according to what the plan is. Stand pat at 33 or get back into the first round and West. I promise that's not me uh, texting in mm-hmm. on this line. Regarding D. Brown, so we want to be the franchise that trades all the best players, CMC, DJ, and now Brown. Right. We're doing this before we even have a contract dispute, according to Adam Rank, who is 
look, Adam Rank is his name is so appropriate. I love the fact that this name is tied with somebody that is there to create content and have us talk about it. Like a great aggregator. If it was aggregator rank, that would be the only way his name is a little more perfect. Because what he can do is he can, hey, what about trading Derek Brown? We don't even have a contract dispute yet. Justin Jefferson, you're starting to hear at least some rumblings of Minnesota maybe looking to move on. We haven't heard anything with the Derek Brown stuff. To Wes's point on the text line, if we become that franchise that trades all of the best players and you don't want to do that with Brian Burns, that's a good point. But the only reason we're talking about trading Burns is because there is a contract dispute that's actually pretty long lasting now. Mm -hmm. So that would make sense, especially when there was a reported Hall that called for two first-rounders in a second a year and a half ago. That's what makes that conversation very pertinent. But with Derek Brown, right now it's just, hey, you know, here's a good idea. Let's toss it in the wind and see where it goes. Nah, man, I'm holding on to it. I'm anchoring it down, and I want Derek Brown to be the anchor of the defense. So CBS uh, put out an article as well by Cody Benjamin, and they did a free agency mock draft. And so they had it to where all of the free agents available went to teams like an NFL draft style of uh, acquisition. And so he had the commanders going number one, taking Brian Burns. But then he also had Frankie Louvu uh, going to the Steelers because these these are also pseudo predictions for who they think could go where. And so, you know, we love to go to alternate universes and we're talking about the whole Derrick Brown thing. And, you know, there's a chance it could happen. I don't necessarily think it will, but there's a chance that they could lose Frankie Louvu and Brian Burns. Yeah. And so if that happened, would that make trading Derrick Brown a must so that you could get more capital to be able to try to fill uh, some of these gaps that would be left by these players? Or would it make him even more valuable to say, hey, we've lost our two best guys. We got to hold on to the one stud that we've got left. It's by far the latter to me. I, I view it the exact opposite of if we lose both of Brian Burns and Frankie Louvu, now we have to trade Derek Brown. I I would go the exact opposite direction of that. I'm not losing all three mm-hmm. of your Pro Bowl caliber players that have all pro potential mm-hmm. with Brian Burns and Derek Brown. That's probably a little too much for Frankie Louvu, but I'm not losing all three of them. Couldn't This defense was a positive last year. Whether you think they were maybe a little overrated, whether, you know, whatever, they weren't dealing with the best of circumstances, and yet still Averro gets this to a top 10 unit. I, I think Averro did a great job. He also had some talented pieces up front with Brian Burns and Derek Brown, in the middle with Frankie Louvu, and on the back end with J.C. Horn healthy at times and Xavier Woods. This is a talented defense, and if you get rid of all three of them by not paying Frankie Louvu, I hope that you got the best show on turf on the other side. I hope you were able to land Mike Evans and then some, but that's not going to happen. So, yeah, for, for me, I could see Brian Burns and Frankie Louvu leaving because in, in this scenario, right, you at least you trade Brian Burns somewhere. That's how I see him leaving because letting him walk for nothing unless you'd put you know, the other type. And of you're saying trade via franchise tag. Right. And him and all right. That. So if, if you let him, the, the non-exclusive means – you know, he can go out and negotiate with teams. And if he signs with another team, then you get first two first round picks anyway, which, okay, I, I could see that. So if that's the way you lose him, not trading him, fine. But most likely, I would like to trade Brian Burns if he's off of the squad. Frankie Louvu, you could just lose a bidding war. Like, that's possible. But Derek Brown, I mean, we, we have control. I mean, that leaves all the money for him, too. He can say, man, I'm going to get all the money now. 
He's going to get more, and I'll pay it to him. And I'll pay it to him, no doubt about it. Yeah, I would say he becomes even more valuable. All right, so when we look at it, too, you know, as we're up against it at the end of this segment, but are there any smaller moves that you might see that the Panthers could make uh, on the trade market that could be uh, something that you feel like would be feasible for this franchise? Wolfpack James on the FanDuel text line has a good one. What if you could trade Von Bell uh, and not so many for for not so much draft assets, but to save $7 million on the cap. So maybe you trade Von Bell for a fourth rounder, you save 7 million and then you could start Sam Franklin. And so maybe something like that where you try to get as much draft capital as possible for a smaller move. And yeah, I, Von Bell, I I think he's good. I just think he was hurt a little bit too much last year, but it's not like, oh, it's devastating to the defense if he's gone. I do think of him as more of a positive than a negative, but that would make some sense. I'm looking at tight end, like I just I wonder, it wouldn't be a smaller move, but I can't get likely out of my head, man. Like, mm. I, I just, I, it's not a small move, so I guess I'm dodging this question, but it's something that we don't talk about a lot. Baltimore has Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely, and I don't want to get rid of draft capital, but if I had to get rid of like a second, like what, what would he call for? Like a third? Isaiah Likely? Yeah. A man, back, I, a, mean, I mean, he's a backup tight end, or is he, he's your second starting guy. When Mark Andrews is healthy, and I think this is a guy, you know, you're talking about a young player, but obviously he is brimming with potential. But he had 30 catches, 411 yards, five touchdowns. I mean, I would think maybe I know they love his potential, and it depends on what their future plans are for Mark Andrews. But I would think this could be a guy that you could maybe get for a third rounder. I would do it for a third. I love that guy. I think you could get. I think you get a third rounder now. Also, an uh, interesting thing too. This is not necessarily a trade, but they're talking about a uh, a guy that could definitely be a cap casualty. Could be a guy like a Mike Williams uh, that could get out there on the open market. And I know we love to tie the Clemson receivers since hmm. we were big on T Higgins coming here. But I think if you got a guy like a Mike Williams, uh, if you were able to sign him, kick the t- kick the tires on that. Bring him in. I mean, Lord knows he gets hurt every time you know yeah. he gets off the bus. But uh, that's still a guy that I think you could go out there. And then it's like you know, looking at that receiver market, uh, I think that's another one that could be interesting. Maybe you throw out um, something for a guy like a KJ Osborne from Minnesota. You throw out maybe a, a late round, mid to late round pick for a guy. Uh, like that, maybe go cherry pick yourself a guy from a team that's maybe a third receiver, knowing that he's not going to get that shot to be the second guy, the number one guy, and maybe make a move like that. That could be something, uh, a direction the Panthers could go to to bolster that receiving core. Talented young receiver, but hasn't figured it out with his team by the third year. You view him as a reclamation project and you give up something late and get him on the cheap and see if he can outperform that kind of asset that you gave away from him. Yeah, uh, that line of thinking, I think that's something that Carolina could explore for a bunch of different positions, but wide receiver is the one that we think about the most. All right, well, when we come back, we're going to go king of the hill talking ACC basketball storylines on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. 
In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The theme of the show today is everybody is sending their pets' names in on the FanDuel text line, 704-570-9610. This is one of my favorite ones. 704 says, I have a donkey. His name is JD. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. Taking uh, a a little jab. Vinny, you got somebody naming a a jackass after you. How do you feel? (laughs) Well, (laughs) I was not... Prepare for you to throw it to me that way. I think he's a he's an enemy of JD. Oh, really? Yeah, Is that I don't. True? I don't think that. Uh, Is this Fitty writing in his alter ego? No, trying to take over the body. Fitty would never <laughs> belittle or de- or de- you know demean someone like that publicly, just privately. So, okay. I mean, I very look. He very well could have a jackass named J- uh, JD, but I think he's calling me a jackass and. Well, some people would agree with that. Is this person a real enemy? Are you sure about that? I'm pretty. I was going back through some text messages, and I'm pretty sure uh, he's not a member of the Marlowe Militia. Look, all of us have them, and sometimes they win. And this person <laughs> won this round. Fitty, just have to sit that one out. South Park Dave said, "I have an NC State, a big NC State friend. His dog's name is Rivers." It's a good dog name too. That is great marriage like of NC State fandom. And just a good old dog name. I like that. Um, so we have somebody else said they named their dog Dixie Lee. It's <laughs> a good name, too. Uh, Pitbull named Trinity. Seminole Lloyd named my boxer Bronx. And Carolina B. in Harrisburg said, I had a cat named Dave. He was cool. There's some text messages. I just can't tell you why I love them so much. That's one from Carolina B. in Harrisburg. <laughs> I had a cat named Dave. He was a cool cat. Something tells me... Dave was around to see that guy partake in the devil's lettuce. And that's how he got named Dave. What What do we name him, bro? <laughs> Dave. You know yeah. what's, what's funny is when you read that first text from Jay from out how he called you bro. Uh-huh. Remember when you first started how uh, I made fun of you for sounding like a surfer, dude? Yes, I, I did forget <laughs> about that. That was... That was uh, something you would go to quite a bit, but we haven't brought that up in a while. No, because you haven't been like, eh, bro. I don't think I did that at the beginning either. I think totally it was just a did. I don't think I did any of that. <laughs> uh, another one here. This See, this is a great one for all the Hornets fans out there. 704 said they have a Bulldog boxer mix named Muggsy. Muggsy is a great pet I name. like that, too. Great dog name good. specifically. Yep, so we can read some more of those a little bit later on. But we brought a different game to the table. Maybe it's something we do weekly. We tried it a long time ago. Thought it worked. So, thought we could bring it back again. ACC basketball. Lots of storylines here recently. We had the whole court uh, storm. It's tough. Yeah. Play the Mitch Kupchak thing for me. Because I deserve every single bit of it. <laughs> with me messing up again. Oh, where's he at? All right. You can find it. Uh, the whole court storming storyline yesterday. We also have R.J. Davis going for over 40 points. And so we could try to figure out exactly what is the top ACC storyline that we've seen in quite a while. Go ahead and play it, Fitty. 
Not that one. Okay, that's okay. We're all we're off. I was gonna say the Mitch Kupchak thing. It's oh, okay. It's okay. my bad. Nope, it's all good. So we're gonna climb the mountain, King of the Hill. It's a new game that we're debuting, kind of, even though we've already done it. We're going to try to climb the mountain and see who is King of the Hill as far as ACC basketball storylines this year. We're gonna start with your team here, Wes. Wake Forest. Roller coaster year. Good at home, bad on the road. Steve Forbes, pressure to make the NCAA tournament. We'll start there. We're going to pin that against Hubert Davis's bounce back season. What do you think is the bigger storyline? Is it Steve Forbes with all the pressure? Or are we manufacturing this Hubert Davis bounce back year because of the way that he did not get to the NCAA tournament last season? Yeah, I mean, it's always going to be the Tar Heels and what they've got going on. I mean, they're one of the Blue Bloods of college basketball and the marquee team in the ACC along with Duke. So, of course, any storyline with them, uh, with the disappointment that they had this year, that was the number one storyline coming into the season because when you talk about uh, Wake Forest, I would also argue, even though it's been a roller coaster season, um, it's been a great season because preseason, nobody thought this team was going to do this. I know I came in and I said that this team was going to be a lot better than people expected, but I don't think people saw top four uh, out of Wake Forest. So if anything, it's been a surprise. Yeah, there have been some disappointments along the way, uh, but this team has crept up on a lot of people. As I said, when I told people before the season started that Wake had some guys down there and that they were going to be a problem, people thought I was out of my gore. Well, you then, had, well, hold on. You said seven. Yeah, I said, said seven eight or eight pro. pros, okay. but I also <laughs> said that Wake was going to be – that there were people who were saying that Wake was going to be a top three to four team in this league, and people thought I was out of my mind. Well, and I just wanted they to make sure because – because I think yeah, we all no doubt, thought no you were doubt, out of your no gourd doubt. with seven yeah, or eight We were pros, talking about they'll be in a Swiss house with um, <laughs> yeah. R.J. Davis, too. So that counts Te- as being a pro team. Technically professionals. That's right. Technically so, professionals. Uh, so, yeah, so that's Poor the main RJ. thing. I'm going to take North Carolina all day. Poor RJ, man. Tiny Tim, and he's playing in the Swiss Alps. That's all tough. <laughs> Do you agree, Fitty? Hubert Davis' bounce back season is bigger than the Wake uh, roller coaster year and Steve Forbes' pressure to make the tournament? Yeah, I do, Walker, because there were whispers in and around the program that if, if this was a failed experiment for back to back seasons, maybe Carolina would have looked to move on from Hubert Davis. The last coach to miss the tournament in his third year wasn't asked back for a fourth. Luckily, that's not going to happen. And I think, I think you could maybe put more into Wake Forest if you knew for certain they were a tournament team. Yeah. But this is Wake Forest. And we've seen them be in this position before and lose a game that they shouldn't lose and it costs them. And so, you know, it's right now it's still got to be Carolina in their bounce back season. Don't have a letdown game against Notre Dame, man. Please don't. I'll, dude, I'll go to the foul line for you, Wes. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all would. We, is there anybody more lovable than Steve Forbes as just an awesome dude to hear at the yeah. mic? Especially the guy that is batting, going to bat for the ACC more than any other coach right now. Yeah. Like, it's Steve Forbes. ACC kind of needs this guy. Honestly, it, Jim Phillips should go to Winston-Salem if they don't make the tournament and say, no, you're not firing him. No, we, we need somebody because I'm not going to go to bat for the ACC as much. <laughs> so we need Steve Forbes to still be in this conference. Right. All right, so Hubert Davis, he starts to climb the mountain. The next one on the list, the next checkpoint, Hubert Davis bounce back season or Kevin Keats job security with him having been at NC State for a while. This is on the mountain every single year that he will start with you this time. Who should be going on to be king of the hill? I know it's going to come across as anti-NC State guy, but I'll go with Kevin Keats's job security just because you made the tournament last year. You were hoping to build off of that momentum, barring a significant run at the end of the regular season. They probably got to make the final of the ACC tournament. The Pack aren't going dancing back-to-back years, just, what, two tournament appearances 
in six or seven years for uh, Kevin Keats for uh, in Raleigh. That's not good enough. I think he's going to be fired. So for me, that answer would be Kevin Keats's job. Do you agree with City West? Yeah, I do. I think that Kevin Keats, I mean, it, it's tough, and you wanted to see him be able to uh, overcome this thing. I know that Fiddy did not, for sure, but uh, with <laughs> NC State, you thought that maybe they were going to be on the path of something, but I think also, too, just the attrition of the transfer portal, him losing Jarkel Joyner, and uh, to Quavion Smith and those guys and having to come back with a new group, even though DJ Horn is one of the best guards and nobody's talking about in the entire country. Uh, it's just not enough, and I think for NC State, I think they're going to be back on a search again to try to find uh, someone to get them where they think that they can go. I agree with both of you, too, because it, it's felt like Keats is about to fall off of the mountain for quite some time, and yet somehow, some way, he's able to stay there. Hubert Davis, it was just one season. Your first year, talk about roller coaster seasons in the regular season, then you get to the championship game, that will help. Don't get there despite massive expectations. It's a huge storyline, but it only happened one year. And Kevin Keats has been barely able to hang on. And the, the time you do get to the big dance, it's barely even last year. And you're, you have a first round exit with you. Kevin Keats, he keeps climbing. Kevin Keats, job security. Well, the Miami Hurricanes disappointment. What's the bigger storyline? Wes, we go back to you. Uh, I go with the Miami Hurricanes for sure. I mean, this was the team that made an Elite Eight. And for them to come into the season, a lot of people thought that they would be maybe not necessarily get back to the exact same spot. But I think a lot of people thought that this team was going to be one to be reckoned with. When you go back and look at the 2023 ACC preseason basketball poll, this team was picked second uh, among all the writers in the ACC ahead of North Carolina. And so, with uh, you know, I think a lot of people discounted how much the loss of Jordan Miller and Isaiah Wong was going to hurt this team because Miami had quality depth. They had multiple guys that they could go to to get buckets. They had multiple guys that they could go to uh, down the stretch when they were in a pinch. And now they don't necessarily have that. Nigel Pack has kind of fallen all on him out there on the perimeter. Wooga Poplar is a good player, but it's kind of fallen all on him. Kyshawn George is just a young guy. He hasn't really put in enough yet as a true freshman. And then you look at North Chad O'Meer down there at the bottom to whereas you came down the stretch of a game and they could hit you with Nigel Pack or Jordan Miller or Isaiah Wong, Wooga Poplar, all these guys. And so I think that uh, not necessarily getting exposed, but I think that Nigel Pack and Wooga Poplar out there on that perimeter, they're good players, but they proved to be not quite enough uh, to keep this team where they once were. Wes is going with Miami disappointment being the bigger ACC storyline over Kevin Keats' job security. Fiddy, do you agree with Wes? Yeah, you got to. Last two years, that team made the Elite Eight and then made a Final Four. It felt like they had arrived and they were going to be a national contender year in, year out. Got as high as number eight in the polls this year. Then, you know, the train went off the tracks and this team might even make the NIT. So, there's no denying for a team that was preseason picked to finish second in the league to be 6-12. and 12. They're a bigger storyline right now than Kevin Keats consistently underwhelming in Raleigh. All right, I didn't realize that we had zero amount of time left, and so <laughs> we need to take well, – we we'll, we'll continue this. We'll go to the other side of the break. Mm -hmm. We'll continue with this conversation, and then we'll move quickly through it so we can continue to give you the combine preview. The NFL combine starts today, but we continue to listen to the yodeling and climb the mountain. Coming up next, one more hour to go. Wes and Walker.